This is the Futuramapedia podcast. Contains 80% entertainment by volume. Welcome to Futuramapedia. I'm Steve Gower. I'm Mike Mercerell. Uh In today's podcast, we're, we're talking about brains and or the lack thereof in some cases, I guess. Especially in this room. <laughs> hey, I, I resemble that remark. <laughs> Wait a second. Um, and we've also got some Futurama news. We'll get to that in a second. But I just wanted to start the show off talking about how uh, we've got lots of people downloading our episodes and we haven't even really advertised anything, and uh, I'd just like to thank everybody for downloading and hope you're enjoying it. Yeah, thank you very much for listening, and if you keep downloading, we'll keep podcasting. And I, I, according to the statistics, Blurnsball is the least popular topic, so I think we can uh, at least promise not to release any Blurnsball episodes until like next year when we forget. Until next Blurnsball season begins. <laughs> Uh, so, Mike, we have some good news. Good news, everyone! So, Future Hammer has been nominated for two Emmys. Nice. We have uh, Outstanding Voiceover Performance, and that is Maurice LaMarche as Calculon, Clamps, The Donbot, Hedonism Bot, Hyper Chicken, and Morbo, that's in The Silence of the Clamps. Calculon, one of my favorites. So he's up against uh, Dan Povenmire. Do you know him? He's in a no. di- Disney show. Phineas and Ferb. Uh, I've heard of that, but I don't know anything about it. Also, they're up against Brenda Strong from uh, Desperate Housewives. And this one's going to be a tough one to beat. Hank Azaria as Carl Chief Wiggum, comic book guy, Duffman, Mexican Duffman. And Mo Sislak from The Simpsons, of course. And uh, Rob Riggle from another uh, from Disney Prep and Landing. Now, and hang on a second. I, I'm, how is... Okay, so this is for, for animated uh, performance, this category? This category is Outstanding VoiceOver Performance. Oh, so that's why Desperate Housewives is in there. Exactly. That's so cheap. Why not? <laughs> it doesn't count. It's not a cartoon. And the last cartoon on the list is Kristen Wiig as Lola in the Looney Tunes show. Oh, I didn't know she was in, involved with the Looney Tunes. Mm-hmm. I, and if you've seen Space Jam. Oh, she's uh, Lola, Bugs Bunny's yeah. love interest. Good looking bunny. I don't think she does her voice in but Lola. No, yeah. no. Uh, and then the second nomination for an Emmy is Outstanding Animated Program. Ah, so they're up against American Dad, uh, the Penguins of Madagascar, uh, Bob's Burger, and The Simpsons again. So the episode they're nominated for is The Tip of the Zoidberg. Cool, that sounds like an interesting episode. Well, we hope they do win, but if they don't, they still get a nomination, which is a pretty, which is still pretty prestigious nonetheless and you know they have had five past nominations and on top of that five wins very nice 
So going from uh, Over the Winds in 2000, Barry Kumar won for Color Stylist in the Outstanding Animated, uh, rather, in the Outstanding Individual Achievement in Animation. In 2001, in the uh, Outstanding Individual Achievement as well, Rodney Cloudon won for Storyboard Artist. Uh, also, we have Outstanding Voiceover Performance, 2011 winner, Maurice LaMarche. So, who's, uh, who's nominated again for 2012. That's right. So And he got it for Lur and Orson Welles. Yeah, he's pretty much the guy you call if you need an Orson Welles voice. And also for Outstanding Animated Program, they won in 2011 for the episode The Late Philip J. Fry. Oh, that was uh, the the time machine episode where they could only go forward in time, right? Yeah, one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, I did, see, there's a new episode that I saw that was uh, very well done. I like that episode a lot. Well, and it really, you know, progressed the story between Fry and Leela. And that's one of the things that uh, Futurama does well is the overall stories and plots. Yeah, and uh, speaking of uh, the story of Fry and Leela, that's also advanced in one of the episodes we're watching or we watched in today's podcast. Yeah, so we're talking about two episodes, as you mentioned at the top of the show. Double feature. Mmm, double trouble. We're talking about the day the year stood stupid, but that's from season three, and from season four, we're talking about. The Why of Fry. The 20th Century Fox synopsis of the episodes, as we normally do. For the day the Earth stood stupid, it's one line. Only Fry can save Earth when evil brains from another world plot to make everyone stupid. And from the Why of Fry, Nibbler enlists Fry in a mission to blow up evil brains bent on destroying the universe. Fry time travels into the past to prevent himself from being cryogenically frozen but if that happened we wouldn't have a show right exactly and that brings us to something we wanted to talk about today yeah uh i'm i'm calling it the why of futurama i guess you could also call it the fry conspiracy basically why uh the conspiracy fry (laughs) that's a good one um the reason why Fry was sent to the future was in order to stop the giant brains. Not once, but twice, uh, as he stopped them uh, in the day the Earth stood stupid, and then again in the Why of Fry. Um, he, uh, I, I guess, it's explained that uh, Nibbler uh, did not go back in time, but is actually a very a member of a very old race, the Niblonians. Um, he pushes Fry into the cryogenic freezing pod in order for Fry to fulfill his destiny uh, to defeat the brains because of his lack of a delta... Delta, delta brain Delta wave. brain wave, yes. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to that in, in a little bit because uh, I know, uh, Mike, you want to say some things about that. But just to, to wrap up the, the whole picture of the conspiracy that we know so far, um, Fry was sent to the future a thousand years so that he could go back in time to the 1940s, become his own grandfather, which uh, results in his lacking a delta wave, 
uh, so that he is not affected by the brains when they come to attack, so that he can defeat the brains and save the universe. So what do you think about that conspiracy, first of all? You know, with conspiracies, is they did come up with an overall plan for the whole series, a rough outline, and, and apparently part of it was that Nibbler is the one who pushes Fry, who freezes Fry. Yeah, and... and that was from the start. Yeah, we talked about this in our pilot episode of the podcast. His silhouette, we actually argued about this at the time, his silhouette was visible, but we kind of deba debated whether that was actually Nibbler's shadow or they just used a convenient-looking shape later on. Mm -hmm. But So it has been confirmed that's Nibbler's actual shadow. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. But then on top of that, they hadn't intended for all of this. They hadn't really put the whole plan together because Fry's shadow, the future Fry, shows up afterwards. Shows up afterwards. So... Does does that does Fry's shadow show up when they revisit this again in Bender's Big Score? I, I think, think it does. Yeah, we would have to rewatch it, but we, you know, that's a whole movie. We we plan to get to an episode where we talk about time yeah. travel. It's very complicated in Futurama, but they yeah. do it. They do it well. So basically, though, I think you actually pointed this out. It was that uh, to, a way to avoid time travel itself actually was to make Nibbler a member of a very long-lived race. Yeah, apparently they wanted to keep their options open as for time travel, whether they actually ever wanted to address that so that they made Nibbler really old. How old do you think Nibbler is? And we know he's at least 2,000 years old, I would say. Okay, actually, his race was already 17 years old, if I'm not mistaken, at the time of the Big Bang. Okay, so, so how many years has it been since? So Big he's Bang? several million years old. Yeah, he's older than the dinosaurs, which were killed by the brains. Oh, what really killed the dinosaurs? Me. And speaking of brains, so the way they make people stupid is they suppress uh, intelligence by attacking the delta brain wave. Now, I looked into the Delta Brainwave. Because so this really exists, the Delta Brainwave? It does. Yeah, it's associated with the deepest state of sleep. The frequency of oscillation is between 0 and 4 hertz. But the funny thing about the Delta Brainwave, and here's where I think they kind of got that idea for the joke, is that a disruption in Delta activity is seen in adults during states of intoxication and delirium. Which is pretty much what happens when, in the episode... In the, the day the Earth stood stupid. Thank when, you. When they're attacked. Yeah, they're, they pretty much act like drunken idiots. Yeah. Yeah, and they're not just idiots. Yeah, they're, they're not just stupid, they're like... They're massively dumb. They're drunkenly stupid. Yeah. Morbo spins in his chair and falls down. <laughs> uh, so Fry doesn't have that because he's his own grandpa. Yeah, that's a, that's a little weird. It's dirty. He did the nasty in the pasty. He did the nasty in the pasty. <laughs> I think we both like that line. All right, so uh, talking about the brains, though, uh, you call them, is their official name, you say, is brain spawns? Yeah, apparently they're brain spawn. I just call them evil brains. Yeah, uh, they are quite evil. Although, 
I guess their their uh, their goal in life is kind of noble. They want to acquire all the knowledge in the universe. It's and true. The only way to do that is to destroy it once you've collected it all. Some of the effects were funny because when Fry uh, tries to re-educate some of the people when they're stupid. Ah uh, yes. Uh, he he shows the head of George Washington. And says this is our first president, and... Didn't he quiz George Washington? Like, ask him who who is our first president? And, and, and he... George Washington says Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. <laughs> Thomas Jefferson? That's uh, Maurice LaMarche, wasn't it? Probably. Yeah. He's in everything. Even though he doesn't think he's in the ah. Y of Fry. It's funny, in the commentary, when you listen to the Y of Fry, Maurice LaMarche is yeah, he in starts the commentary. Off, yeah, he's like... I'm I'm on the commentary even though I'm not in this episode, and, and then, then halfway later, <laughs> oh, I am in this episode. I think he plays like, like three different parts, yeah, including the uh, the brain which appears in both uh, the day the earth is stupid and the Y of Fry. They're the same, ostensibly the same brain, I guess. Do you know he also plays the brain in Pinky and the Brain? Yes, I did. Yeah, and uh, Orson Welles too. <laughs> it's also about. Uh, Fry's dumb school. I'm not sure if you noticed this, but the head of Chester A. Arthur, when he says, Chester A. Arthur, fall down. He looks <laughs> like Ron Jeremy with gray hair. I did not uh, pick that up. No. It's, just, it's just the mustache and the hair. <laughs> I mean, I'll, have to, I'll have to watch that again. It's just a little joke. Hmm. A giant brain is basically a giant nerd. And where would a giant nerd be? Ah! The library! Brains are pretty much a giant nerd, so to defeat them, Fry goes to the library because that's where a giant nerd would hang out. Yeah. What is his... Doesn't he have a line about that? Um, yeah. Do you remember what it is? You I have don't. to go fight biggest brain of all. Hmm, a big brain is like a giant nerd, and where would a giant nerd hang out? The library! I think he says the library. Does he say the yeah, library? I think I remember now. Yeah, he says the library. <laughs> Check the subtitles. Yeah. Uh, also, apparently, uh, the big brain, the while well, the kind of general, the brains in the Daily Earth stood stupid is called Mister Brainly. <laughs> Mister Brainly. Yeah, when they, you know, when he traps them in different books. Yep. And entombs them forever. In Pride and Prejudice, Pride and Prejudice, by Jane Austen, they introduce him as Mr. Brainley. Oh yes. I present Mr. Brainley. Presenting the most eligible landowner in all Hertfordshire, Mr. Brainley. I'm a gigantic brain. Oh, oh, most ungentlemanlike. Mr. Brainley, what news have you of the London season? Well, hey Brainy, think fast. I always think fast. <laughs> Did you notice that the, all the books that they went in were uh, public domain? Oh, you're you're all you know everything <laughs> about public domain. And but one thing about that 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 battle scene uh, that uh, Fry and, and the brain Mister Brainly engage in is uh, Fry's fake out uh, where he he writes in the book like to end uh, to trap the Mister Brainly in the book where he dies. I thought that was pretty cool because like there's like super gruesome and it looked gross and uh it was cool i just it, the effects were well done that was great 
and then he traps him in his own a book that Fry wrote. Yeah, he's going to leave with... leave the earth with no raisin or no for no raisin. <laughs> a story filled with plot holes and spelling errors. At least Fry's smart enough to recognize that there are uh, plot holes and spelling errors, so yeah. I give him that. May lack a delta wave, but he can recognize a bad story when he sees one. He's got the alpha and the beta. <laughs> a couple more jokes from the the day the earth is stupid. Just when they're talking around in the office, around the table, and Bender's leaning back in his chair, and you just hear like a spring sound. And he goes, <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> I was wondering what that is. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, it goes, boing. He goes, oh, excuse me. I figured it's the robot equivalent of a burp. Yeah. But not a flaming burp. No. That's so... Maybe it's like indigestion. Maybe. I have shocking data relevant to this conversation. We've talked about the alien language a bunch of times on this podcast, and it shows up in both episodes that we covered. Um, First, in The Day the Earth Stood Stupid, and Mike is the the resident alien language expert, so I think he can... uh, Explain what's going on in these episodes. Well, I do have a a, a picture of it. Picture of the... I thought you were going to say you have a alphabet. PhD in alien languagery. <laughs> Futurama. Futurama alien languagery. So, when they go to the Niblonian planet, planet Eternium, and they visit the Hall of Forever, complete with rainbows <laughs> and hearts... Uh, they have a couple of uh, columns, what do they call them? Obelisk. Obelisk. That's what they're called. Yeah. They're called so, obelisks. So they visit the Hall of Forever, and they have the obelisks. Famous. And on them they have uh, a few alien letters. and on the So there's two of them, two obelisks, and then you can see two sides of them. Right. In the Day the Earth Stood Stupid. So uh, on the right you see... The alien language one, which just translates straight, you know, from symbols to letters. And on the left part, you see alien language two. It's the same word, two different languages. So it pretty much acted as a key to figure out alien language two. And uh, so what what do they say? So they say yummy tummy. (laughs) (laughs) Yummy tummy. All right. And uh, and so the way to basically figure out how alien language two works is that each symbol corresponds to a letter, but also each letter corresponds to a number. So A is zero, B is one, all the way to Z is Z is twenty five. Z not Z. Not Z. And and uh, and then yeah. So the first letter, the symbol corresponds to the letter. Right. But then the next one. You take the number that corresponds to the symbol, subtract it to the uh, the number that corresponds to the symbol of the first one. Then you get another number, and that corresponds to a to a letter. Ah, so you understand? I I think I do. So basically, you could have one symbol being several different letters depending on the context. Exactly. Right. Depending on yeah. Uh, so yummy tummy. Yeah, yummy tummy. But then, when they visit the uh, Hall of Forever on Planet Eternium for the second time, it says something different. Now, is this is it in Alien Language One or Two on the second time in the Y of Fry? 
both. Wait, sorry. In the Y of and it's both in in the Day yeah. of the Earth. It's stupid, but for the Y of Fry, it's yes. they just show it's, one set. Yeah. It's Alien Language Two, and which is quote unquote by David X Cohen, the Niblonian language. So that one, it must be a different angle because it's different words. And so they translate as fuzzy wuzzy, <laughs> fuzzy wuzzy yummy tummy. They're very the the Niblonians are very uh, cute culture. They're like like kids or kittens mostly. Yeah, they yeah. purr, and they play with cat toys. Fuzzy wuzzy yummy tummy that fits. Lovey dovey. It probably would that would show up if they come back to uh, the Hall of Forever for a third time. Do they ever? I don't think so. Not in the first four seasons. Maybe they will. That's true. Does Nibbler even show up in uh, in the new episodes? I don't remember. When you say new, you mean the ones that you saw? <laughs> I mean, I haven't <laughs> seen all of them. <laughs> I'm sure he does. Oh, you're all so cute! No, we're not. We Niblonians are an ancient and powerful race. Behold... When the universe was forged in the crucible of the Big Bang, our mighty race was already 17 years old. So, we would like to discuss what is on everybody's mind is Fry and Leela, will they, won't they, which has always been a, a, an ongoing theme with Futurama. And you really wanted to yeah. talk about this, Steve. <laughs> Well, I was going to say ongoing, but especially in seasons three and four, it's a heavy, heavy story arc. Uh, but I, I, I just was wondering when at the end of the Y of Fry, Leela uh, kisses Fry, and I was just wondering if this was the first genuine kiss between the two of them, not just the first on screen because they've they've kissed before, but, uh, but genuine, genuine, yeah. Because like I was, I was qualifying this by. Parasites Lost is a season three episode, I think, and that doesn't count because Lila was in love with Fry's parasites. It sounds so gross, but there it is. <laughs> and, I agree. Yeah, yeah. and uh, time well, keeps on skipping. Yeah. No, go ahead. That it is a genuine kiss between Fry, but not. But uh, I'm rather between Lila, but not Fry, as as you so aptly point out. Yeah, I, I it, it isn't Fry. It's it's not his personality. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like yeah. I mean, with Fry's lack of Delta Wave personality. So, <laughs> I, interesting question. Sidebar: If uh, if the brains had attacked while Fry had the parasites, would he have become stupid? I think so. I think so as well. Yeah. Yeah. He's so the brains had very bad timing. Oh, you? Th- uh, I don't know. I no. I, I'm sorry. I got confused. I think he would still become stupid because he still lacks the Delta brainwave. No, wait, you're saying he he wouldn't become stupid. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think you the said, parasites... You think he would become stupid. Yeah, because I think the parasites, they're, they're uh, repairing his body, right? And, like, improving it, so they would be repairing his lack of Delta wave. No, they could be producing some hormone that gives him the Delta brainwave. <laughs> um, I don't know. That's, then, a, that's a good question. Yeah, I just thought of it now. And and then also there's time keeps on slipping. Uh, Fry convinces Leela to marry him, but uh, that I don't think counts either. I don't think they even kiss in that episode. I think they're they're kissing at the wedding. Possibly. Or they're just Because she slaps him. 
Yeah, that's right. So but, yeah, that's definitely not genuine. No. Yeah, genuine. I guess genuine, but I mean like you know genuine affection for from Leela to stupid Fry. Yeah, it was a, a genuine warm your heart moment. Yeah. I think we've covered that off pretty well. This episode brought to you by Kibbles and Snouts from the makers of Hooves Mix. Pathetic human race. Arranging their knowledge by category just made it easier to absorb. Dewey, you fool. Your decimal system has played right into my hands. <laughs> Bender, if this is some kind of scam, I don't get it. You already have my power of attorney. I did it! And it's all thanks to the books at my local library. So, some other things about the episode I just wanted to point out. Um, this is the first appearance of the Hypnotoad in The Day the Earth Stood Stupid. Everybody loves Hypnotoad. Yeah, except it's gone downhill after season three. <laughs> and the grand prize winner! The Hypnotoad! All glory to the Hypnotoad. And, uh, and yeah, Hypnotoad, that is so weird. He's such a popular character, but was introduced so late. Season three, first appearance. Yeah. Um, they also introduced a few other different animals at that pet competition. Oh, yeah, some interesting animals here. They had F Fry's favorite novelty, the invisible dog. Oh, yeah. That actually exists. They had a purple dog unicorn thing. Don't remember that one, but... Yeah, you have to freeze frame. Ah, right. They so had the very, human... Like a Where's Waldo type of thing, eh? Yeah, that's right. Where's the purple unicorn? Yeah, you have to find his bag and his cane as well. Right. Well, it would be his bone <laughs> and his water dish. <laughs> and his tennis ball. Right. Uh, they also had the human pet, where the cat owner was... Or the, the pet owner was a cat. Yes, and... Didn't Her name was Fluffers. Name? Yeah, Fluffers, and then it was like um, Glenn or something. Yeah, Glenn Spiegel. Glenn Spiegel. And his owner, Fluffers. Yeah. Who, who appeared in uh, an earlier season, apparently? I was listening to the commentary for The Day the Earth Stood Stupid, and uh, Glenn Spiegel was in the vet's office for yes. one of the earlier episode. That also uh, con uh, consisted of Nibbler. Yeah, I don't remember which episode that was. He chipped a fang. Right. But I don't remember what happened. When... Pop quiz. How Pop much quiz. does Mike know about Futurama? How do I pause this thing? <laughs> uh, see, now I have to think it out. It was he chipped a fang. It was something to do with Bender, I think. He was feeling uh, unappreciated. Oh, was it where he flushes Nibbler down the toilet? I think so. El Chupa Nibre. That's not the episode title. But that's where he, he's in it. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, the library that uh, Fry visits in the day the Earth is stupid uh, has a whole bunch of books. But then earlier in Mars University, uh, their university has everything on two CDs, yeah. CDs even. But that aside, they're ebooks. Ebooks. But why, why does the Earth Library have books? Why doesn't it have digital library? It's because they're low-tech. I, I, like I guess they, have, they had to uh, be picky about what they bring to Mars. <laughs> yeah, it's so far. Uh, Maybe they... Well, they don't have trees on Mars. <laughs> that's, that's true. So that's why. Well, they, couldn't, just... they couldn't import books? 
And they not only that, but they had a whole section of Stephen King, Ada Aardvark. Ada yes. Aardvark. <laughs> so many of his titles That's start with Also, in the Why of Fry, did you know that stamp glue is made from toad mucus? Toad mucus, yes. And the giant super brain killed the dinosaurs. Uh, 11 is greater than 4. Oh, yes. The uh, That's the other thing I wanted to, to point out is the last three bits of information, those are, of the of all the things that are the last bits of information, 11 greater than 4, beavers mate for life, what was the last one? Something about carpets. In a few seconds, the brains will finish scanning the last bits of information in the universe. Beavers mate for life, 11 greater than 4, for quality carpets, visit Kaplan's Carpet Warehouse. So which, uh, which episode did you enjoy more? The Why of Fry or The Day the Earth Stood Stupid? I enjoyed The Day the Earth Stood Stupid the best, and here are my reasons. That is all. I just <laughs> like the... <laughs> I like the pet show. It was, it was endearing. Um, just the jokes, the, all the little jokes that I had mentioned before. Whereas, uh, I believe you beg to differ. Yeah, I preferred... The Why Fry. Uh, I, I just liked it for uh, the the setup I thought was better. I You know, I like the overall story of the episode was Fry doesn't feel important. He learns that he is. But that's not to say the day the earth did stupid was a bad episode. I like that a lot too. And he got some action. <laughs> he got some action. But it some. does. Some. First base. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like the, the day the earth stood stupid for probably the reasons that you think it's the better one, but I just prefer the Why of Fry. Yeah, and the the Why of Fry does have, it just connects to a whole bunch of different episodes and just yeah. adds to that overall story arc. I, I think that's, that's the thing, is that the Why of Fry is more story-based, whereas day the earth stood stupid is just funny and i will say that i think the day the earth stood stupid is probably the funnier episode because mm. it's it's not focused so much on moving the story forward so there we go that's good all right so uh do you have a best joke and best line as we normally do at the end of the podcast uh yeah now we had talked about this before recording and you said you had a uh, one from each episode and unfortunately, I I I watched the day the the Earth stood stupid about like a week ago, so I don't. It's not very fresh in my brain, so I just have one from the Y of Fry, and um, I don't have a have a line that's my favorite, but my funniest joke from the Y of Fry uh, is the Scooty Puff Senior. Um, oh, what's the line on the sticker on it? Doom. The Doombringer. The Doombringer, yes. You know why I know that? Because it was my best joke as well. Oh, see, this is... Hey, oh, high nice. five. You stabbed me with your pen. I took it out of my hand. Anyway. Um, yeah, Scooty Puff Sr. Uh, only because it's, uh, you know, the Scooty Puff Jr. And, yeah, the fact that there's a Scooty Puff Sr. Anyway. Yeah, and they had those little toy ball things. Uh, yeah, the Scooty Puff Jr. Yeah. The, it's like those... I called it the the, the lawnmower. Toy, yeah, Fisher Price lawnmower. You push it and the balls all pop. That was pretty cool. Uh, They're multicolor. So my funniest moment though from that episode uh, is Fry's little briefing before he infiltrates the Infosphere, uh, where 
he keeps getting angry because the brains are just trying to learn. So they're trying to learn things? Right. Those bastards! Being brains, they feel compelled to know everything. And soon they will. I'm as mad as I've ever been! Once their task is complete, they will ensure that no new information arises in the only way possible. By destroying the universe. No, it's personal. <laughs> that's... and. That's that's my funniest moment. That's so good. so obviously we've got one of your funniest jokes. Yeah. So. Uh, okay, best line from the day the earth stood stupid. I love when they poke fun on themselves and Leela says, "Wipe out all thought. They're like flying televisions." <laughs> that is good. I forgot that one. Just how they compare a uh, bunch of dead weasels. Oh yeah. To have the intelligent. Intelligence capacity of cartoon viewers. Trace brain activity. Dead weasel or cartoon viewer. Yeah, yeah. that's a good one. Uh, I'll come back to my best, funniest joke from that one. The why of Fry. My favorite line is... I did do the nasty in the pasty. Which you said earlier today. Yeah, that's right. And the funniest joke from the day the earth stood stupid came at the end. Uh, Hermes is, is conducting a meeting. It's very quick. And he has a chart, chart that says employees sleep during meetings and it's all increasing and <laughs> everybody's KO'd. They're nice. just all asleep. That brings this episode to a conclusion. Yeah, thanks again uh, for downloading and, and listening. Uh, well, I would hope you're listening if you're downloading it. Um, well, I guess uh, we had talked earlier, uh, next episode, possibly, we might uh, cover off something about the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, including the episode with Bender, when Bender turns female, so that he could be in the Olympics. Scandalous. Well, I'm Steve Gower. I'm Mike Mercerow. Thanks for listening. See you next time. everyone you're probably gonna use the sound clip there yes i will and that's exactly what the the show is about the entire show they talk about laces. yeah but there's a better it's not that episode is not nominated <laughs> we're talking about the day the year stood stupid how um, many how many o's zero zero wait there's two o's <laughs> it's good i will get to that in a minute we've also got lots of Futurama. I'm going to start that over. Like You're just about to say, we have lots of Futurama. Oh, wait, that's what this is News. about. News. Oh. No. News. Okay. I don't do anything at work. I mean, non-work related. This episode brought to you by Kibbles and Snouts. Now with Zebra. Now without Kibble. If you need a nibble, have some Kibble. Kibbles and Snouts and Snouts and Snouts. From the makers of Kibbles and Hooves. Yeah, there you go. Do that one. The poop eradication is but one aspect of your importance.